Christchurch, New Malden, 26th of July, 2020. Ruth Henson speaking on Finding Help Through Christian Community. When Stephen asked me to speak on this subject of finding help through Christian community, he explained that he'd wondered about using the word fellowship in the title, but decided against it because of the misunderstandings about that word. He's absolutely right. Fellowship is one of those Bible words which is packed full of meaning and has so much to teach and challenge us if we get to grips with it, but we far more often limit and compartmentalise it instead. Another word ending in ship, which we do the same thing with, is worship, but we seem to be more alert to that for some reason. In Christian terms, worship is the word for giving God his proper worth and should impact every area of our lives as we seek to glorify him in the way he is worthy of in all we do. And yet we so often limit this to the one small aspect of musical worship. But you do hear people getting very cross about this. If someone leading a service says we will now have a time of worship, when the time to worship God is all the time and in every aspect of our lives. But we are far more accepting of a similar use of the word fellowship. Please do stay behind for a time of fellowship over a tea or coffee in the lounge. I'm sure I've been guilty of saying it too. But that encourages us to understand fellowship as the Christian word for socialising and limits its scope to a few minutes on a Sunday. I even remember going to a church on holiday where they announced that refreshments would be served in the Fellowship Hall, a special place where you could go to experience fellowship, as well as a special time for a few minutes on a Sunday. Now, I'm not saying that spending time chatting and catching up after church is not an important part of fellowship, but rather that just like singing is only one aspect of our worship, so this is just one aspect of our fellowship. Similarly, the wonderful social events organised by our fun committee are brilliant for helping people to get to know each other and to feel more fully part of our church family. But it's still just one aspect of what the Bible means by fellowship. And that's great news in our current circumstances, isn't it? Because if fellowship was limited to our general understanding of it, it would be pretty much off limits at the moment. But actually, when we understand what it really means, it's something we can all find help through, and perhaps especially in these current times. So let's have a closer look at what the Bible means by fellowship. If I put my Greek A-level to good use, I can tell you that the word generally translated as fellowship is koinonia, which in turn takes its origin from another Greek word, koinonos, meaning partner, sharer and companion. So koinonia has been defined as a shared community that involves deep, close-knit participation among its people. Did you notice how that definition makes it plain that Christian community involves not only being, but also doing? Tea and coffee in the lounge as we get to know one another or catch up on news has a lot more to do with the being part of community life, but the doing part is vital too. In our reading from Acts 2, we heard probably the most well-known reference to fellowship in the Bible. Just after the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the disciples were miraculously enabled to speak to the crowd in all of the diverse languages represented. Then Peter powerfully addresses the crowd and about 3,000 people are baptised that day and join the ranks of the early church. 
It is at that point that the description of the fellowship of believers, which we heard from Acts 2, is included. Verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, devoted is a strong word, isn't it? It's pretty obvious that studying the Bible and prayer are things we should devote ourselves to. But do we devote ourselves to fellowship? It might seem rather odd for fellowship to be given equal weight in that list of priorities of the early, spirit-filled and dynamic church. But if we go back to that definition of a koinonia community, then it all makes a lot more sense. The passage goes on to show us what this actually looked like in practice, and it's pretty radical. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. I don't think that could be any further removed from a coffee and chat definition. Yes, they are fully embracing the being aspects of Christian community, meeting together and even socialising too, but they are also completely radical in the doing aspects, going to such lengths as pooling their resources and selling their property and possessions to help those in need. One of the phrases that jumps out at me is that they had everything in common, because actually on the surface they had very little in common. Even the disciples were an assorted enough bunch, but as the early church grew exponentially, the diversity of its members was increasing vastly too. Different backgrounds, different social statuses, different nationalities. Yet Luke can describe them as having everything in common, and it goes deeper even than the pooling of their resources. As Paul goes on to write in Galatians 3 verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Having everything in common speaks of their unity and equality in Jesus, their common purpose and priorities, their shared community of both being and doing. As you read Acts, it seems as though this Koinonia community just sprang up naturally. But although Jesus hadn't left them with an instruction manual of how to set up the church, he had certainly made it very plain as to what his priorities were for his followers. When asked in Matthew 22 as to which is the greatest commandment, he cites loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and loving your neighbour as yourself. The early church, united in their wholehearted love of God, take as their mission the sharing of God's love in practical and sacrificial ways with those around them. It's amazing how having something in common can unite you and can cause community to spring up. Since 2003, when he was runner-up in the second series of Fame Academy, a BBC TV series which was a forerunner of shows like X Factor, I have followed the career of a singer-songwriter from Yorkshire called Alistair Griffin. I have some of his CDs, I follow him on social media, and I have once managed to see him in concert. But this was just an individual interest, which I had no real occasion to share with anyone else. That is, until lockdown happened. 
As with many musicians, unable to perform concerts in person, Alistair took to streaming live Facebook gigs to continue to share his music with his followers. These gigs have been real highlights to look forward to during these challenging times. And increasingly, it wasn't only the great music which was important, but also the community spirit which was built up amongst the fans. With a core number of about 200 tuning in each time, we became known as The 200. And as the comments roll along during each live stream, it is great to see the familiar names of people I have actually never met and to hear how they have been coping during the different phases of lockdown. Alistair has given us various calls to action, such as rewriting the lyrics of his song Heroes to celebrate key workers, recording ourselves singing his Formula One anthem Just Drive, sitting in our cars. I think my neighbours really thought I'd lost the plot at that point. And holding a virtual coffee morning to raise money for the Trussell Trust. But just as important have been such moments as hearing how Margaret's cancer is responding well to treatment and celebrating with Val when she saw her grandchildren for the first time after 16 weeks. We have become a supportive, caring, encouraging community, all because we have the music of a little-known singer from Yorkshire in common. How much more should that be the case when we have our love of Jesus Christ in common? In our other reading from Hebrews 10, the writer is asking his readers to consider how they can best spur each other on as a community in their mission of practical love and encouragement. And he specifically urges them not to give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. Fast forward 2000 years and we have had to consider the same question in the light of having to stop meeting together in a physical sense, thanks to COVID-19. Whilst this has obviously provided challenges, I think at the same time it has also opened our eyes to the fact that our fellowship and community encompasses far more than being in the same building for an hour or so on a Sunday. The being aspect of our Koinonia community has obviously required new expressions as our services and children's groups have moved online. I have been really struck by the frequent usage of liturgy and songs which are expressed in the first person plural, using we, us and our, a helpful reminder that we continue to be united in Christ's body, even as we join in separately. My home group has used WhatsApp and Zoom to keep in touch with each other, with news, prayer requests and encouragements, which has been fantastic. And every day I'm amazed by how many members of the women's own community, past and present, my mum finds time to telephone and check in with. Thank goodness for all the included minutes in their phone contract. Whatever newfangled or traditional method you have used, maintaining the being aspect of our fellowship will have been vitally important, I'm sure. But our enforced change of circumstances has also highlighted the importance of the doing aspect of our church community, with the spurring on to practical love and encouragement exhorted in Hebrews 10, probably far more at the forefront of our minds than when we are catching up with news over a hot drink in the lounge. As everyone has faced up to their own specific challenges in the light of the pandemic, the need to offer encouragement and to commit to pray for others has been very evident. It's tempting to think that the doing aspect of our community life together is centred around activities which are more physically practical. 
but a word of encouragement or knowing that someone is holding you in their prayers is a powerful act of love and can make such a vital difference. Others in our church community have been able to demonstrate the love of God in more physically practical ways, delivering CDs of our church services to those without internet access, running errands for those who are shielding, joining the team of sewers making PPE for our local NHS and key workers, or helping at the Don's Local Action Group or New Malden Food Bank. Personally, since I've been shielding with mum and dad, we have been incredibly grateful to Helen and John Cook for the shopping they have done for us, and I know we're not alone in being grateful to them for their help and care. So are there lessons and approaches which we've learnt during lockdown which we should hold on to as a new normal emerges? Hopefully we will have come to grasp more fully that our community and fellowship is far deeper and broader than just spending time together in the same building, hugely valuable as that is. I hope we will continue to prioritise the inclusivity which has been a key characteristic of how we have maintained community and that, moving forward, no one will need to be described as those who can't make it to church, because church will come to them using all the new skills and technologies we've developed. I hope we will maintain the unity which our online services have enabled, even when we return to meeting in our three congregations, sharing in our mission of love, and continuing to unite in praying for those from across our community in particular need. It has also been a privilege to see the wonderful work going on with our children and young people and I hope this will have inspired us to continue to take an interest, to encourage those involved and to pray for them. And let's always be ready with a word of encouragement, a commitment to pray or some practical help and also be willing to ask for this when we need it remembering that we are partners in a shared community of love and encouragement where every day is a time for fellowship in the fullest sense of the word.